What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Happy Friday, everyone. It's Bridie. Uh, this week's guest is Dr. Amelia Kelly. We had such a fascinating conversation with Dr. Kelly. She is a trauma-informed therapist with a doctorate of philosophy in psychology. I didn't know that was a thing. Along with a master's in art therapy. She's a trained hypnotherapist, art therapist, highly sensitive person therapist, EMDR-informed therapist, and meditation and yoga teacher. She's a presenter and writer in the science help field, focusing on relationships, highly sensitive persons, trauma, motivation, healthy living, and adult ADHD. Her practice is also currently part of the Traumatic Stress Research Consort Consortium at the Kinsey Institute. Wow, that's a mouthful. We did. We covered some ground. We talk about um, what makes an unhealthy relationship, what makes a highly sensitive person, what is gaslighting, what's love bombing, what are red flags and stonewalling. It's really an unbelievable conversation and we think you're going to love it just as much as we did. And we'll see you on the other side. Well, this is going to be very exciting. Uh, we're joined by uh, Amelia Kelly. 
And uh, Amelia, I got, I got, I'm going to point one thing out. I love post-nominals, and mm. I think you are winning at the post-nominal game right now. <laughs> well, I'm seeing so. a whole bunch. There's PhD. I know what a PhD is. There's MS. Um, what's MS? Master of Science. There we go. Uh, what's LCMHC? Oh, the bane of my existence. It used, <laughs> it used to be LPC, licensed practicing counselor, but the state of North Carolina decided to make it hard on us <laughs> and change it to licensed clinical mental health counselor. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. And then ATR? Uh, registered art therapist. I know ROIT. What's ROIT, Brad? Registered yoga teacher. Yes, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy and I are both yoga teachers as well. That's right. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, Very we, cool. I've been teaching uh, Modo, formerly Moksha Yoga, for uh, 16 years, and yeah. Jeremy for about a decade or a little 11, over a decade. I think 11 years now. Yeah. 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 So we're, we love it. We love awesome. that. Awesome. Um, you, uh, I mean, you do, you do so much. Um, uh, you're, you're a trauma-informed therapist uh, with a doctorate of, of philosophy and in psychology from Capella University, um, along with a master's in art therapy and counseling from Nazareth College of Rochester. Um, I like your, your, your bio is nuts. Like it's, have you been in school your entire life forever? (laughs) Yeah. You know that, um, do you remember Kanye West had a song where I think he was saying something about being a professional student and going to your grave with all your degrees? I can't (laughs) recall it exactly the lyrics, but yeah, I like school. Um, I think together I did the math with, you know, whatever college, post-grad, everything and ever about 20 some years. I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You like school. I, you didn't even get to the, the rest of the, the bio, it, like the, there's some really interesting trained hypnotherapy, um, art therapy, EDM, uh, EMDR informed therapist, which is, uh, uh, is that the rapid eye movement? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, um, meditation yoga teacher. Um, but also, I mean, one of the big reasons we have you on the show here today is that you wrote a book and the book is called, uh, what I wish I knew surviving and thriving after an abusive relationship. Um, uh, I, I would love to know. I, I mean, I don't even know where to fucking start. I feel like I'm <laughs> swimming in, in in directions that we could go. Um, let's start with the book. Um, where where did where did what was the impetus to writing uh, what I wish I knew? Um, where, where did this all begin? It actually began on a podcast. Uh, I was on a podcast called High Heels and Heartache, uh, doing an episode about how trauma impacts the body and the host, Kendall Ann, uh, she is a survivor herself. And so I, at the end of the episode, we had a great rapport, a really good time. And I just turned to her and just said, you know, you learned so much on this podcast. Wouldn't it be cool to write a book about it? And it was just kind of a light bulb moment. Um, What started off as what we thought would be more of a skill-based exploration kind of synthesizing what she learned from all these experts actually turned into her doing something super brave, which was sharing her story beginning, middle and end of uh, getting out of an abusive relationship. Mm. And our idea was there's a lot of books out there that you have a survivor. um, And there's a lot of books out there where you have a clinician, but there's really nothing out there where they work together. Mm. And so each chapter she's bringing the reader through her 
experience. And then I'm responding as a clinician of what I'm noticing. What are the red flags? How can she deal with what, how could she have dealt with what was happening if she had been sitting down knowing these things in real time? And then she ends each chapter with what she now knows, what she's learned from what I offered. And then we have an opportunity for the reader to journal about what they're longing, they're learning the whole way along. So pretty cool. That must have been such a neat experience for her um, post, like now, like after having been in and out of the relationship to, to kind of, it must have been quite a trip for her to go through that therapeutic process in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's, she was coming from such a great space because she had done a good deal of her own work with her own therapist. Um, and just lucky luck be had, she actually was an English major, was very passionate about writing. So that kind of just clicked easily, but something that was really incredible to watch was just her catharsis the whole time. And then on my behalf, it was really wild to marry my creative brain as a writer with my clinician brain and bring that together and figure out how do I create a safe space for her, but then also convey all of this to the readers in a way that's going to make sense for them. So mm-hmm. there was a lot going on when we were writing it. How, how long did it take you guys to, uh, to, to write it? Oh, I love that question because it highlights how much there is post-production. Yeah. So I'd say probably maybe a little bit under two years to write it, uh, a year and a half. And you have to realize we were working almost kind of in this tandem situation where she would write, I would respond. And so it was a conversation. And so we had to wait on each other. And during this time, I mean, we both experienced some major highs and lows in our own personal lives. So we both had to be compassionate and navigate that. And then you throw in COVID. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that also came in. So there was that. And then I'd say it was probably close to a year of just all the formatting and editing and pro- the post-production. So it, it felt like I got another degree because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know how much I love those. <laughs> I've heard the book writing can be like, it's like a, can be a very isolating and lonely process. So it sounds like a really yeah. different experience to co-write it with someone. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, I never even thought about that. That's a good point. Um, and I think that brings its blessings and curses though, because you have to be so compassionate and patient with each other. Yeah. Uh, and so I think we both grew a lot during the process a lot. So it's, it's something I would love to do again, but I'm also excited about the prospect of writing on my own as as well, just to see what that's like. So I, I know, I know that, um, uh, with, you know, in diving into the topic of abusive relationships, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of elements to unearth a lot of terms uh, associated mm-hmm. with abusive relationships that um, that I'm sure I'm sure the majority of our listeners know at least some, if not all of those things. But just for just for the sake of kind of covering all of that ground, um, I, I'd love to kind of like dive into a few of these, these elements and unpack what they like, what the true meanings are there. So, um, one that, that sticks out is gaslighting, uh, which I think is like a word that, you know, if, if you don't know it, it, you likely have heard the word gaslighting as a term used, 
when it comes to relationships. Um, can you can you give a good explanation of what is gaslighting? What's an example of of gaslighting within a relationship? So gaslighting is an experience where the manipulator or the abuser, often a narcissist, is intending to confuse the victim and make them question themselves, make them question their reality, question their ego strengths. And this is often done in order to sustain power um, Mm. and or sustain this positive mirror image that the narcissist or abuser wants of themselves. And this doesn't just happen in romantic relationships. Actually, I will say earlier today, I had a therapy session with a college student who is living with a narcissist, Mm. a friend, and I had to talk to her about the fact that she was getting gaslit and she was so confused by the whole process. Mm. She had been so shook by the fact that she felt like she was the one that was causing all the problems and that it Mm. was the blame had been shifted onto her. But it was very plain to see that she just hadn't had the the language or the awareness of what the gaslighting was. Right. Mm-hmm. What about uh, there, there's another one here, and I actually don't. I don't think I've. I don't think I've ever seen this term. I, I have. I've seen this term used actually, like in 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 our at our yoga teacher trainings and. <laughs> And uh, like, like with our friends and in stuff, like a positive in, way. in a positive way. And so I'm seeing it here. I'm going, oh, oh no, like <laughs> uh, love, love bombing. So like uh, my, my, my notion of love bombing is like, mm-hmm. is in my friend group, like love bombing is just loving just on pour, someone. Yeah. Just pouring on the love, like giving all the love that you have on someone, giving compliments, telling them how much they mean to you. Um, like to me, the idea of love bombing is a really beautiful, positive experience, at least, at least my notion of love bombing. So, so in terms of a, an abusive relationship, what does, what does love bombing mean? I love that you pointed out the fact yeah. that it can be portrayed in both ways, because that's one of the reasons it's so confusing and why it's so important to understand. And actually it is a precursor to gaslighting. So oftentimes the love bombing is going to happen no matter the relationship. So yes, we're going to get a little bit of an explosion of hormones and joy and trying to win over a a prospective person or relationship. And that could look like wonderful gestures, you know, flowers and, and positive affirmation. The issue with love bombing is when it is used in order to I love, actually, I'll say this. I love this uh, bit by Chris Rock where he was saying that no one's really themselves at the beginning of a relationship. Yeah. They're just bringing their representative. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, right, right. Right? <laughs> that's, that's love bombing. You know, mm. that's when you co- you go in and you say, you know, I'm going to just be whatever you need me to be. I'm going to give you whatever you need. I'm going to shower you with whatever you need so that you have this blind faith in me that I am the pinnacle of what you deserve and what you could get. Mm. And you can see how that can put the person, if they are with a narcissist or a potential abuser into a very vulnerable position, because you just get this intense connection to the person. Which intensifies that confusion when the gaslighting is that right. Totally. Yes. And I will say just to add the gaslighting will usually start to come into effect and really ignite no pun intended when the love bombing is no longer working. So let's Mm. say the love bombing is starting to fade because the person is realizing the narcissist has some faults. Mm -hmm. So when that mirror 
image, that positive mirror image that the narcissist so so much needs, that narcissistic supply starts to run out, that is when the love bombing subsides and the gaslighting increases. Ooh, okay. I would love to unpack <clears throat> narcissism because I feel like I know the myth are uh, is uh, the myth always made of uh, narcissist? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. it's narcissist. Do you know this? The myth of narcissus or something like that. Anyway, is is it always came across <laughs> oh, like to the me actual as like myth? Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were yeah. using myth and and in terms of like like the 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 misunderstanding. No, yeah, like yeah, the storytelling. The lore. The lore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, is vanity? Like he's looking at himself in the. Mm surface of the water and he's admiring his own beauty until he like falls in and drowns. But I've heard, and I feel like this is another hot word like gaslighting that I've been hearing a lot. And I, Mm -hmm. I have questions about it because I feel like perhaps, you know, my dad is an example of a narcissist or was an example of a narcissist. I want to know like, what does that mean for the children that he raised? Like, is this hereditary? And also, um, how do you know if you are one? <clears throat> Those are awesome questions. So first of all, I, the fact that you pointed out that it's a buzzword, I think that's a good thing to recognize because when something becomes, I, I, I joked the other day that narcissism is like the kale of psychology right now. Like <laughs> suddenly it's, it's super popular. Whereas before it was just a garnish on the plate. Um, so the thing of it is, is that we are all born narcissistic. We are meant to be narcissists as children. And it's, but you mentioned the word hereditary. It's not like a genetic makeup. This is a personality trait. And that's why it gets treated differently when it comes to clinical treatment. But that being said, we start with this healthy level of narcissism because we need to be fed. We need to be taken care of. We need to survive. The problem becomes when at some point, we're no longer given that um, that positive feedback loop and there's a void, whether it be from uh, abuse or neglect of some sort. And oftentimes what will happen is something called narcissistic rage where it escalates and it continues beyond those years where it would be helpful and appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you're really not going to see a five-year-old who's labeled with narcissistic personality disorder, but you may see a 25-year-old. We all, again, should have some healthy level of self-worth, self-love, and a bit of a narcissist. We all want to love our reflection to a degree. If anything, I feel like I encourage a lot of my clients to do positive affirmations and love their reflection. But do you love your reflection at the expense of someone else? And that's where the shift starts to occur, is do I need to fill my cup and so, to such a degree that it is more important than your well-being. And that's mm-hmm. when it starts to become disordered. And it's not something that, as I was mentioning, it's not a mental health disorder that can be medicated because it's not a genetic event. It's not hereditary in that sense. It's behavioral. Mm-hmm. It's a survival skill. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And would, would like, would it be correct to say that anyone who is the, um, anyone who is the abuser in an abusive relationship is like almost certainly is, has this narcissistic, uh, disorder or, or is, or, or is it, is it not quite so black and white? I mean, I think it'd be fair to say it's a, pretty good chance if if someone if someone can be so disregarding of another person's well-being that they're willing to abuse them i would i would go so far as to say that they probably have some narcissistic traits yeah uh and for for something to become disordered it means it's interrupting their life Mm. so if your traits are making it impossible to have a healthy relationship with your daughter just using that as an example because you were mentioning your dad um that that can be an example of it being a disordered behavior. Whereas if it's just something that's kind of annoying <laughs> that maybe your friends are going to confront you about, and if they do confront you, you're willing to hear the feedback, or you might even feel insecure that you're a narcissist. I always joke that if you fear you're a narcissist, you probably are not a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I all like, I always have that fear. A li- there's like a little bit of like a, Oh man, am I, am I, the, am, am, I, <laughs> am I the problem? Am I a narcissist? <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad you said that. Cause that means I'm not, and that's it. And it's final. And we don't We're fucking done. talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it still seems really gray to me, you know, like at what point, you know, like what are the behaviors? What do they actually look like in day-to-day life? What are the red flags of narcissism? Okay. So a couple things, and I actually had spoken before about how there can be some similar traits between ADHD and narcissism. So I want to be very careful to discern between the two. With narcissism, there's going to be issues with apologizing and not to the extent where you won't just do vapid, empty ones, but like really meaningful. Like you're really not going to know how to empathize and put yourself in the other person's shoes. 
And it's not because you can't register that someone's in pain, but because it's to your benefit to care about yourself more. Um, you may notice they do something called, oh, and this is a pet peeve of mine. And maybe because I'm a therapist and I'm trained to not talk and listen, a narcissistic conversationalist. I, ooh, oh, when, yeah. when you're talking to someone and everything you say gets spun back to their own experience. Mm. Now look at the way our society is right now. That kind of is fed a little bit, unfortunately. That's probably why it's such a buzzword right now. Um, another one would be if you're noticing they're having a hard time sustaining relationships. I mean, if they, if, if you're noticing left and right, that people are abandoning them or protecting themselves from that person, it's probably Mm. a good sign. Mm -hmm. If they want to isolate you from other meaningful relationships, they want you all to themselves. That can also be a sign as well. And I I am leaning a little bit more into some romantic examples as opposed Mm -hmm. to just kind of family examples. And then there could be something as simple as they can't finish a conversation with you without picking up their phone. Mm-hmm. That's a tricky one because we're all, you know, a lot of people are addicted to their phones, but at some point you have to recognize that you're hurting the other person. Yeah. Okay. Those are really good examples. The apology one really hits home because I, I, I really struggle with a, apologies and I definitely inherited that from my father and it shows mm-hmm. up in my romantic relationships for sure. Um, there was just no, there was no like repair in that, in our family dynamic. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, like my dad definitely had a lot of, you know, rage for sure. Just not, not physically abusive, but definitely just like reflecting back on it being like, well, that's probably not a healthy way of dealing with your emotions and not, and I wouldn't even say he he was unable to, um, recognize Mm -hmm. that he had hurt other people. He just, I think just admitting wrong was too uncomfortable. And the, and I feel, you know, I feel a really similar thing. Like when we get into an argument, it's very hard for me to come to you and say, I, I'm sorry that I said that way. It hurt your feelings because I immediately want to go. This is why I said it that way. And if you could understand that, then maybe you get this through your fucking pea brain. I mean, that's the way you'd say it to me, right? I would never, (laughs) but if that is like the apologizing thing is really significant, like that is, it's taken me 37 years to realize that, Oh, I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how, I mean, I know I'm not alone, but I don't know how to apologize. I don't know how to repair. Um, Some of the other, some of the other sort of topics here that, that I have in front of me are, uh, things that that I I feel like I feel I feel like we've we've kind of covered enough on the show. Like things like boundary setting, um, um, consent is another one, a big one that we ta- we've talked about a lot on the show. Um, one that I'm familiar with, but maybe not everyone is, is uh, stonewalling. Hmm. What's stonewalling? So stonewalling was a term coined by Gottman, who is a really influential researcher and therapist in the world of couples counseling. He actually got couples together in the love lab and studied them in these makeshift apartments with cameras. It was like, I don't know, reality TV, but for research, which is kind of crazy. And I think I saw that on Pornhub, we, actually. Uh, <laughs> love, uh, I think that was the paid version. I got you, got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what it was a term that came out of their research that coined one of the, they call them the, the four horsemen of what will lead someone yes. to divorce. 
And it has to do with a purposeful withholding of attention or dialogue or attention, attending to the person uh, in order to hurt them. So if you take the idea of like a silent treatment, I don't know about you, but personally, sometimes I just need a break. And that's not necessarily stonewalling. That's me setting a boundary. You were mentioning boundaries. And taking a break can be healthy because if you're not feeling regulated and you're not in your body, it's going to be hard to have a healthy dialogue. But it becomes different when it's starting to be used manipulatively. And stonewalling can go from an hour to days. and, Mm. And it can start to bleed into other relationships or other parts of your relationships. You might have a relationship that the stonewalling is so intense that when the couple is together alone, they don't talk, but then maybe when the kids are around, they talk. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to bypass and not notice that it's a pervasive problem. Hmm. Wow. I could totally see that. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. um, And then I guess is isolation very, is it different than that? Because that kind of, that feels very isolating just hearing you describe that. You mean, you mean isolation? Like if you are the one that is being stonewalled or if you're stonewalling? Well, I'm reading the power of isolation and it feels like a power over Mm. concept, but I I could be wrong in my interpretation. Well, I mean, that's, I guess it's a, I think I'm a little confused. (laughs) I I, I think, I think what you're reading, Bridie and, and, um, uh, Amelia, maybe you, you can kind of like step in here if, if I'm reading this wrong, but I think like the power of isolation in this context would be used as, you know, the, the abuser is using the power of isolation by like, by, by, by putting forward a, a, an amount of control, not allowing this person to see or engage with other people, like keeping them to themselves oh, and that. isolating this person from yes. other relationships or other connections in their lives. It, yeah. for, at the fear of those other people basically pointing out, Hey, you're being stonewalled and these are red flags and you're being gaslit like fucking crazy. <laughs> you're in an abusive relationship. You got to get out. Right. Um, so you utilizing isolation to, to further the abuse and to keep that, that person sort of locked in. Uh, whereas if they weren't so isolated, perhaps they would, they would that makes maybe sense. get the signs that they're in a, in a, a bad, a bad place. That makes sense. Yes. We we get asked sometimes, how do you know if you're in an unhealthy relationship? Mm-hmm. And all of these are great uh, are great red flags. Are are there ones that are a little more insidious that we might not recognize or how do we really determine whether my relationship is normal or if it's toxic? Mm-hmm. I think early on being able to do something called emotionally individuate is very important and basically what that means is I'm going to have different opinions and I'm going to have different feelings and I'm going to have these different feelings and opinions regardless of yours. And if you're not able to do that, if you feel like something about the relationship or the person is pressuring you into a box or into an idea that they want you to be, that is a big problem. That is a big problem that you can see would set the stage for all the other things we've been talking about. But can that happen at like degrees? Because I feel like in a new relationship, uh, we talk about this sometimes too on the show. It's like you highlight those best parts of you and then the things that maybe don't go over so well, maybe your sense of humor or whatever. It's like, I can't can't express that part of myself 
in mm-hmm. this relationship. It's not really doesn't really jive well with that person. Is that necessarily a toxic thing that you you can't be fully self-expressed in your romantic relationship? I think it might have to do with a couple things. First of all, to what degree is that happening? Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it just maybe in one singular thing? Like maybe this is a an off-topic thing for this relationship, so I'm not going to go there because I really adore this person. I think that's pretty normal. Um, but if you feel like it's starting to really seep into many areas of your life and you're starting to lose a sense of who you are, that is a big one. I ask folks a lot that I work with, like, do you really still feel like you're intact with you? Mm -hmm. Like, do you still feel like you're in good relationship with yourself? Because I mean, part of the new relationship is newness is getting that expansion from a new person, new ideas. Um, maybe you are doing something that is not helping your your joy and maybe they have a better idea. So you also don't want to be closed off. Mm-hmm. But I think if you feel like you're losing a sense of you and meaningful relationships that are healthy, that is definitely a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That would be, that would be an issue. I I'm one of the, one of the things that uh, I, th- I I feel like this was said before we started recording, but you had, you had said, um, you'd mentioned something about HSPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never heard that. I've never heard that acronym before HSP. What do, what does HSP stand for? What does that mean? It's a highly sensitive person and it's not necessarily saying that someone is overly emotional or hypersensitive in general. It just means that your limbic system is more active. And so that means your nervous system is more active. And the way that you experience the world is different. And this makes up 20% of our human population. Mm -hmm. And it is such a cool superpower when you can harness it the right way. I say this as a self-proclaimed HSP. Mm -hmm. And a lot of creative entrepreneurs are also HSPs. So I would not be surprised if you guys are HSPs. Um, You should take the test. (laughs) And, but the thing about it is, is that, uh, HSPs are going to be more sensitive to things like light and sound and smell, which can be distressing, but it can also be really wonderful because you're going to be the person who walks in a room and knows exactly what kind of lighting and what vibe is going to make everyone comfortable. Mm. You're also going to be the one that's going to pick up on the friend in the room who is uncomfortable or not talking, or they seem like something's wrong. You're really going to feel that. Now you can see how that would be awesome because it can lead to really wonderful relationships and you can be that person everyone goes to, but it can also be very overwhelming Mm. if you don't know how to protect that trait. Hmm. Um, And this can also come out in some really wild ways. Like HSPs can be a little bit more sensitive to hunger and caffeine. Mm. They may find that they stray away from distressing, scary movies. I personally try not to watch too much of the news because it, yeah. I like to read the news, but watching it, the grandiosity of how it's displayed sometimes, it's too much. Um, and so you you feel hard both in the positive and in the negative. Mm. It seems like there's a lot of parallels between, uh, like when you when you were describing HSPs, it it made me think about people on the autism spectrum. It made me think about people who experience or are living with um, diagnosed PTSD. Um, I. I take it that not everyone who is an HSP is on the spectrum or not everyone who is an HSP has P- 
some form of PTSD, but, but probably safe to say that most people who are autistic or most people who are experiencing PTSD are, would be, would, would have a lot of these, these, these HSP traits. I love like how you just put all that together because it's it's very true. Um, and it's actually one of the reasons why misdiagnosis is happening so much. Um, mm. You can have someone who thinks that they may have generalized anxiety, but when they sit down and they look at the traits and they look at the symptoms, they might actually be a highly sensitive person. Huh. And when they start to take care of themselves as a highly sensitive person, the generalized anxiety recedes. But the fact that you mentioned autism is super important because autism, ADHD, and high sensitivity are all neurodiversities. Mm. So they're all kind of part of the same balloon, but Mm. they can have different levels of severity. And then they also can portray completely differently. Huh. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm so fascinated that I've never, that this, this, uh, this term HSP is never like, crossed my it's never like come like i've never this has never been on my radar before um out of the like six years that i've been podcasting about these particular things and i'm uh you were saying that there's like an hsp test and i I quickly brought it up i have uh hsperson.com there's like Mm -hmm. a highly sensitive person test um which i 100 percent i'm doing as soon as this is over (laughs) uh we should actually record record about it um um I, and and I think any anybody listening to this who's just curious, I th- like I, I think it would be really. It's not a very extensive test. It's probably like I don't know thirty questions here. Um, but did you did you say did you say how many how many? Okay, if, if, all right. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm 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 just swimming in curiosity here. Um, is is HSP? Is this a new? Is this a new term? Is this is this something that's relatively new to the world of like of neurodiversity, or, is, or has this been around for a while? It's actually been around for a while. Uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron, who, if you dig into that website more, you'll see quite a bit of her work on there. Uh, she was a pioneer in this, and mm. it's been studied now for over two decades. <clears throat> wow. And it started in animal studies, actually. And the only reason, in my opinion, that it hasn't really taken, and it, it has started to get a little bit more steam. You made have you might have previously heard things like an empath. Yes which that is part of being an HSP. That's not the full picture. Um, but you can't medicate it. You can't pharmaceutically make money off of it. You can't, I mean, it's like, it's self-empowering. So it's, in my opinion, it's not something that would have been um, fiscally exciting, <laughs> if you yeah. know what I mean. Right, yeah, totally. Right. And, and did you say, did you um, say that there's a, a stat on a, a particular number of the population that would that would fall under the category of HSP. What was that? Twenty percent. Wow, crazy! Wow, I I I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I already feel like I'm a highly sensitive. <laughs> and let me tell person. you before you take the test, because a lot of things that people, or a lot of times, folks will make this mistake. A lot of tests demand that we have this all or nothing thinking when we answer questions. That one specifically says in the instructions to answer if it somewhat applies. Okay. 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 So it doesn't have to be like every single day you feel this way. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is interesting. I'm so fascinated. This might be a loaded question, but in your experience and all of the therapeutic settings that you've been in and all of your education, um, 
is there a correlation uh, between a- HSPs or or any sort of category of of person that is more likely to fall into toxic or abusive relationships? It can definitely be a precursor for some folks who end up in abusive relationships if, as I was mentioning, they're not caretaking for that trait because of the feelings that you can feel so deeply for another person and the ability to empathize. And I I think sometimes rationalize or excuse behaviors because you can see why the person is acting the way they are. Mm -hmm. So that's why education about this is so important. And it's so important to know that you need, you need that barrier between you and that energy, because it's going to be a little bit more difficult as an HSP to protect yourself. I mean, it's funny, you can't see my full room here, but my therapy chair was super COVID conscious before COVID. I'm easily 15 feet away from the couch where my clients sit. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. It was purposeful. It was because I want to be there for them and be present, but I also need to protect my energy. And so when you get into an intimate relationship, that can be really hard. And narcissists are going to pick up on that. They're going to pick up on the people that are willing to listen. Yeah, right. That makes so much sense. I just started school in September. I'm going to uh, study, I'm studying massage therapy. And I think I had an experience in my first term where, you know, there's 35 people in my class and and they, the schools really tried to set the tone of like, this is a professional atmosphere. These are your colleagues. But of course, there's friendships developing and little cliques and things. And I I, I became a, a bit of an ear for <laughs> my seatmate who was going through a lot of personal things. And I went home one day and I was like, I am not there to make friends. Like I had to like, <laughs> I had to like set it down and yeah. be like, I can't be worried about people in my class. I can't be coming home and like thinking about them when I'm not there. You know, I'm in the city that I I've been living in for a while. I have lots of friends. I have lots of intimate relationships that I don't, I already don't give enough to that. I I can't be, I can't be, you know, you know, we have so many conversations. I'm like, well, maybe, you know, maybe I can be of help to this person because I've heard so much and so much has been shared Mm -hmm. with me and I'm unshockable. But then I'm also simultaneously doing some boundary work with a teacher online. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what boundaries are. This is like, I can feel my energy just flowing into this person Mm -hmm. and I need to, I need to like pull it back in. Gosh, you're going to be a great massage therapist. And you're also going to have to be really careful about your aftercare. Yeah. Right. Well, so Mm -hmm. let's talk about what what you're saying. Like, what is the care? What is the care for an HSP? What, what kind of things do they need to take care of? How? So, well, I, it can be a little different for everyone, but I know for me personally, space is very important. Um, like I was mentioning the, the proximity even between me and my, um, clients, uh, space, your home, the, the space of your mind, you know, kind of having this mentality that you get to have, uh, a, a distance between you and someone else's experiences. Actually, I have a very HSP New Year's resolution this year. Um, <laughs> my, my resolution, and I try to avoid any like health oriented ones. Cause you know, who, who keeps those? Um, 
my, my resolution was that if someone's coming to me for information that someone else already knows, go to the source. So like, don't text me to ask me for my friend's address. Just go ask my friend. Right. So that might sound really simple and small, but it, it's a very uh, energy oriented way to protect yourself. Mm. Um, other things have to do with time. You know, are you giving yourself, it is so important for HSPs to have time to decompress, time to be alone, time to close your eyes. Interestingly, HSPs, you know, those like hidden picture uh, games or like where's Waldo. Yeah. Yeah. HSP, I almost said we, cause I'm assuming you guys are HSPs, but <laughs> HSPs are exceptionally and statistically better at those because of the fact that they read more thoroughly what they see, but they can also become more exhausted by that and experience more things like insomnia and chronic pain. So it's really important. I always try to get my HSPs and myself to remember to close your eyes for a couple minutes every day, even if you're not sleeping. And even if you think meditation is not your thing. Uh, it could just be a closed eye meditation. <laughs> um, and then also things like sleep and, uh, movement time outdoors. So these are all things that for the general population are healthy, but for HSPs, they are crucial. Right. That makes so much sense. I, um, uh, just kind of throwing back to, uh, the, the book, what I wish I knew, um, you had said earlier that, you know, that this is, this is the first in, instance where you can recall of a book where, uh, it was, it was co-authored by someone like yourself who specializes in counseling when it comes to these sorts of things, but also with a, a, a survivor of a, an abusive relationship. And out of that process, the creation process between the two of you, uh, you and, and Kendall, um, was there anything that kind of like struck either you or them in, in terms of surprising you? Like, was it, what was the learning process of, of creating a book like that? Um, considering that you are a professional in this field, uh, and, and they are, uh, you know, a, a, someone who's literally experienced a, an abusive relationship. Was there anything that kind of stuck out to you guys or, or perhaps like a big learning experience for her or, or, or even for yourself? Well, to speak for her briefly, I think I would, and this sounds like a plug to the book, but I would, I would really encourage people to read what she had to say, because that was actually the entire uh, approach that we were taking was what is she learning? Because I actually think she learned quite a bit. Uh, but, you know, I actually learned from her too, because she had had some phenomenal work that I had mentioned that she had done before we ever even knew each other. So there were, I mean, there were some terms that she had explored with her other therapists that things like um, future faking, for instance, like, you know, there's so many words that come up when it comes to narcissism and abusive relationships that, gosh, I, I have to say, I did not feel like the expert when I met the expert because she was an expert that went through it. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think going through it so intimately with her was such an amazing experience because it completely changed. It will have forever changed the way that I work with survivors. Mm. Um, and it doesn't hurt that she's a badass and she is like so strong and she is such a champion for other survivors that it was really cool. I think that was something different and surprising for me, I have to say, 
because most people I work with are coming to me when they're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I don't always get to see what happens down the road. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm like getting goosebumps when I talk about this. It was cool getting to kind of see like what happens when someone really keeps going and thrives. <laughs> so that like, was really awesome. What yeah. is, what is future faking? I, I, I feel like I get, I feel like the, the, I feel like I sort of have a grasp on yeah, what that could be just by the name. As well. But um, is it is it something beyond uh, like like being someone in a telling you how great your the future together is going to be yeah. and all the things you're going to do? I mean, essentially, it's part of the uh, love bombing. It's part of it's a tactic used in love bombing, and a lot of times, a good example would be I had a client that I was working with who was a single mother. And she had a lot of insecurity about finding someone who would be open to someone with young kids. Mm -hmm. And so her abuser came in and love bombed her into thinking that he was going to be this perfect father and he was going to step in and fill all these roles for her and he was going to protect her financially. And then everything that he faked about their future uh, led her to trust him more, which made her more susceptible to the uh, gaslighting that then ensued after. So the, the, one of the things that I've heard from like, especially in like in my own like social circle with with people who have been in a, an abusive relationship or um, seem to struggle with that is like, it seems like there is this um, this pattern or tendency to end up in abusive relationships like again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um is that what is that like like i i th- that can't be some self-fulfilling prophecy like that th- is there is is it is it more so leaning towards the this person um like like an it, perhaps an hsp who because of their behavior because of their um their their social background because of their like past experiences that they are more um they're more vulnerable than, than, uh, than somebody else. And so like that vulnerability sort of sets them up for being taken, advantage being taken of. advantage of in a situation that, that could, that could provide it, like, that could produce a, an abusive relationship. That's an awesome question. And it is such a touchy topic because it's, it's something where you want to make sure not to make assumptions, but because it's so common, it's definitely worth talking about. And what you're talking about is repeat traumatization and the likelihood of that happening. Mm. There are a lot of reasons. One specifically can be familiarity and what our nervous system and what our brains get used to. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, I mean, we can even go further back. So if you have a child who experiences abuse or witnesses an unhealthy relationship between their caregivers they then are familiarized to that. And so it's less alarming. So it's kind of like that, um, that saying about the frog that's, I I did mention this in the book, actually, Um, the the frog that's put in the pot where if you put a a frog in a boiling pot, they jump out quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you put them in a pot and you just raise it to a slow simmer, you have frog legs. Mm -hmm. And it's all the nervous system. You know, someone who is used to safety and security and trust, their brain is zeroed in on those kind of relationships. And if you bring in someone who's going to be more dangerous, 
those red flags, those signals are going to be much more um, present. So that could be one major reason. Another one could be if you look at the way that we try to complete, and I think you've talked to someone else before about trauma cycles Mm -hmm. and completing a trauma loop. And where sometimes when you don't get to mobilize and you don't get to get yourself out of a trauma situation, maybe from (laughs) past experiences where as a young child or in a past abusive relationship, you couldn't escape, you couldn't get out. There can be this subconscious pull towards mastering those things. Yeah, right. You know, I couldn't fix that person, but maybe this person. And that is such a tricky topic. And it's the most important thing about that is to first of all, recognize this. I'm so glad you mentioned it and to really zero in on what it means to be safe and reestablish what you deserve and what safety looks like. Hmm. Yeah. I know that, I know that when it comes to seeking help or seeking counsel, um, when, when dealing with, um, you know, anything, uh, in, in the realm of, of mental well-being, um, that there's a lot of there's there's a ton of different modalities at mm-hmm. which you can kind of tackle that from, um, and I'd love to talk about the work that you do specifically with with Kelly Counseling and Wellness. Um, you, I know that that there's like lots of different modalities that you guys work with in particular. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of those modalities? And knowing that you know there's there are so many, and some work better for others. Um, uh, how does someone go about figuring out what is the correct modality to work with when trying to deal with these, these sorts of things? So I would say at our practice, we definitely lean more towards the body than other potential modalities. So things like even art therapy or using your body. Uh, we do have more than one yoga teacher here who focuses on doing uh, yoga, trauma-sensitive yoga. We have a yoga space upstairs. Um, we've got a Reiki practitioner. So working on kind of moving energy for folks, uh, things like EMDR, which you had mentioned before, mm-hmm. even though that's not technically, you know, kind of you're moving the body all the time during that, it is a therapy that is geared towards the felt sense of trauma and those those reactions and feelings that can come up when you're processing. And so processing that rather than content of trauma. Uh, so I think that any, you know, any passionate therapist is probably going to start more cognitively because I think that's the traditional way that we're taught. And then as you start to work with people and see what works and what doesn't, I feel like most people who are passionate about continuing to learn are going to start getting into the body more and getting Mm -hmm. those therapies involved. I really appreciate too, I noticed on your website that you do sliding scale uh, for folks. And I, when, you know, when I was 21 and getting my first therapist, that was a total like game changer for me. I was able to afford it. But I also remember going in and, and him saying, so, you know, I work on a sliding scale, uh, from this to this. And I, and I was just like, I just named the top number and I was like, that'll do, that'll be fine. And he was like, 
whoa, whoa, whoa. Because you can <laughs> see like a lot yeah. of my shit is around money. And, yeah. uh, but that I just, anyway, I see it. I don't see sliding scale too, too often. And I, I think it's a, it, it was that a difficult decision to put into your practice? Is that, is that like a challenge? No, absolutely not. That was from the beginning of opening. That was my mission. Um, I came from nonprofits before opening my practice. I had worked at uh, local methadone clinics, some uh, boot camps for boys that had been kicked out of homes. Really, this was my first time collecting money for services, which I have to be honest, I had to do some work around at first. Right. Um, we actually, I was really proud of this during COVID and it was a, it was an idea that some of my therapists had come up with. We offered, um, free sessions for first responders and frontline workers during the, you know, kind of like the height of everything ramping up with COVID. And so we tried to do that as long as we could. Um, and you know, I obviously tried to be respectful of all my therapists need to make a living. Yeah. <laughs> so I let them have some, you know, dictation <laughs> on what they feel comfortable with too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for that. And, uh, I'm going to continue to try to spread the good word about sliding scale. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you it's know, there's so just therapy is so inaccessible. Yeah. Yeah. I went to get a therapist, um, over the past year and it's been years since I've been in therapy and my sister is a psychologist actually. Oh, and cool. I, and she, uh, she at one point said to me over those few months, she was like, we've been told we need to raise our prices to $200 an hour. And she's like, I don't even think that's fair, but Whoa. in our province, that's what, that's yeah. what's recommended. And mm -hmm. that's literally double of what I paid mm. when I went to therapy a decade mm -hmm. ago. Wow. So it makes sense that things go up, but it's mm -hmm. so inaccessible for, for a lot of people and a lot of people just don't get the help that yeah. they, they need. Um, Amelia, I, I mean, this has been such a lovely conversation and I feel like, uh, this is, this is going to give us lots of like food for thought over the coming weeks for, uh, future conversations. Uh, can you, can you take a moment to, uh, just plug away how people can find you, how people can get involved in your work if they're seeking help? Um, do you offer, do you offer online based help or is it, is it solely for the folks that live in, in the, in North Carolina? I absolutely offer online-based help. Um, it does depend on if someone wants to use insurance, I think you have to be within the state. But if people sure. don't mind, I'm totally open to that. Um, so I have a website, ameliakelly.com, and I always joke that that's Kelly with an EY. Mm -hmm. uh, also, my practice, as you mentioned, Kelly Counseling. The website is kelly-counseling.com, and that's, again, with an EY. I'm on Instagram, Dr. Amelia Kelly. And my new book that you thankfully mentioned, uh, you can find everywhere, Amazon, Target, Walmart, China, <laughs> wherever you want. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Amelia, thank you. This has been such a delight. Yep, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Here we are. Here we come to save the day. Uh, welcome, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Amelia Kelly. 
Well, I think your brain cells were popping off all that conversation. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember? We recorded that. I feel that was like a long time ago. It feels like months ago. Actually, it probably it was. was close. It was February. Early February, eh? Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess it's, yeah, it's March. Time's a weird thing, but it was, it was, it was early February. It was a long time ago, but I do remember. And, um, and I just, you know, I love speaking to people that really know their shit. And Amelia is definitely one of those people. This is one of those conversations I'm going to listen back to, um, once we release it in a minute, um, because I feel like a lot of seeds were planted and Mm -hmm. sometimes I find I don't realize where certain seeds got planted. I just no, they just integrate into my life somehow. And, uh, and I think the highly sensitive person thing was, is one of them. Yes. So that seed has planted to the degree (laughs) where, uh, and this, and this seed has been planting since, um, even since like early discussions on sick boy around Brian's diagnosis of ADHD. Oh, I didn't realize he got an ADHD diagnosis. I think I also have that. Well, good luck for getting real. a diagnosis because it does take, doesn't it take some work? No. It didn't for Brian. No. I mean, if you have a therapist, you can, uh, I see. Okay. You can get, uh, you can get referred pretty quickly to like a GP and uh, but I'm pretty sure I have it. Okay. Yeah. And, and like this HSP thing, mm-hmm. I have, we, have, we haven't done the test. We're going to do the test. Yeah. Let's do the test. Do you want to do it right now? Well, I'm looking for it. I, I have it right does here. Does it have to be on a specific, are we going to do you H-S-person.com. or me? Hsperson.com. I, I mean, I'm doing me for sure, but okay. we should do, maybe we should do it together. Do, okay, let's do it together. Do you want, and then listeners at home, you can also- You can do this with you us. Can, if you want to do it along with us and you're yeah. available to get to a device, it's hsperson, highly sensitive person.com. Yeah. So uh, are you a highly sensitive person? I think I probably am. Uh, this is <laughs> this is from uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron. Um, so instructions. Answer each question according to the way you personally feel. Check the box if it is at least somewhat true for you. Leave unchecked if it is not very true or not at all true for you. Okay? Okay. And it's pretty quick. There's not a lot of questions here. So, Okay, wait. W- let's qualify if it's at least somewhat true. So let's say like, like on a scale of like one to five, you know, like middle being like, I think anything five and over would be, yeah, that's true. Well, one to five is there's no five and over. Oh, sorry. One to five. Sorry. I was yeah. thinking one to 10, no. um, one to five, anything like yeah, if you're four doing- and five is leaning towards sensitive. Four- anything two and below is not sensitive. Don't don't even use sensitive or not sensitive. Use <laughs> yes or no. Okay. So one and two, no. Four and five, yes. Okay. Three, yes. Okay. Round up. Three, yes. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. Sounds good. All right, cool. So the first question is, I'm easily overwhelmed by strong sensory input. I'm going to go with a five on that one for me. I'm not going to tick that one. I don't think I am. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't think. I seem to be aware of subtleties in my environment. That is a big yes for me. That's a I five for me. I don't know if that's a fact for me because I don't notice a lot of things. I just get overwhelmed by all of the things, if that makes sense. Like, I don't notice necessarily Like, I just noticed things. donut just chewing on fucking plants yeah. underneath me. Didn't even feel it. I could just tell. That's fair. There was a guy, there's a guy that says in my classroom, kind of like one desk ahead and, and one desk over from me. And he was sitting there twiddling his thumbs yeah. for almost an entire three hour class. Yeah. And I had to like stack my 
computer and stuff on books so that it wasn't to not see it's like when you shake your leg that is a subtlety within your environment (laughs) okay yeah i mean so i don't know um other people's moods affect me Mm. i'm gonna go uh yes on that one do you think i'm a yes i don't know I like to think of myself as a, I think a you're, wall. Yeah, I think you're pretty like unwavering in terms of like like other people's moods, whatever. It's like it, it kind of it's like no water off your back. But I don't know. That's not the case with like saying? it's you, water off the duck's back. Yeah, right. Yeah, two in the hand, one in the pan. You know, like is <laughs> a bird in the sand. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna click it because I'm at least a three. Okay, I tend to be uh, very sensitive to pain. What do you think? I'm. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sensitive to pain. Yeah? Yeah. I like to lean into being like, oh, I'm fucking up pain. I don't know if I'm sensitive to pain. I suppose I am. I am I think I'm more afraid of pain being inflicted than I'm actually sensitive <laughs> that to is a hard. Pain. That is a hard one because, like, I'm in pain all, I, I mean, before Trikafta, yeah. I was always in pain. So, like. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you, that's a, I think that's a dumb one. I'm going to actually, I'm going to unclick that. Okay. I'm yeah. not going to click it either. I'll read the next one. I find myself needing to withdraw during busy days into bed or into a darkened room or any place where I can have some privacy and relief from stimulation. I'm going to go ahead and hit yes, because I'm at least a four, if not a five. I don't know about a darkened room, but I love to have time alone. And the other day I said to Todd, I'm like, can you just let me know when you're coming home? Like, give me a 10 minute heads up. And he was like, why? Like, that seems like a strange request. And I was like, so that I'm not resentful when you walk in the door. <laughs> I'm not going to click it. I think um, I think when I'm in busy days, I'm just like, where, dude, where are you getting the plants? <laughs> where are all these leaves coming from? I put the plants away. God. Find the leftover Does anyone leaves. want a dog? No. Does anyone want a free dog? No, he's not. Don't say that. That's You're the saddest free. thing ever. You're free, no, donut. No, we love you. You're, You're going perfect. on the curb in a box that says oh, free. Oh, you're perfect. Okay. How about I am particularly sensitive to the effects of caffeine? Not checking that one. No, I wouldn't say particularly sensitive. I mean, if I drag a coffee at 6 p.m., it's probably going to like fuck my sleep. But like, that's, I think I'll that's have pretty... coffee for dessert after dinner and I'll still yeah. be able to sleep. Yeah. I am easily overwhelmed by wait, things. Wait, so wait, should I click that then? I, if, like if I drink a, no, a coffee. No, that's not particularly yeah, that, sensitive. Okay, that's, like, yeah. do you get like. I can drink a full bodum and be like. No, you're friend. Okay. And, yeah. and don't, and our listeners don't like it when you say bodum. Oh, I'm sorry. I can drink a full <laughs> French press. Go fuck yourself. No, we like, I I thought that wh- whoever posted that, I can't remember who it was who posted that on Instagram, but I loved it. What do you mean someone posted that on Instagram? Someone said that shit yeah, on Instagram? Yeah, they said that they were, li- they were enjoying listening to our podcast and then they corrected me for saying Bodum and it, French press. If they're not a patron, <laughs> they can stop listening right I don't now. remember who you are, but I thought it was really funny <laughs> when it happened. Okay, you can read the next one. Should I also not say Kleenex? <laughs> Or Band-Aid? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Or Hoover? Yeah, it's a Bodum. Um, <laughs> I am particularly sensitive. Oh, sorry. I am easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or sirens close by. I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going to say no to that either. I'm not really overwhelmed by not it. Not overwhelmed, no. I have a rich, <laughs> complex inner life. I certainly do. What the fuck spend, does that mean? I think most of my rich and complex <laughs> life is inner life. What does that mean? Um. I have I, a rich, complex inner life. 
like you spend a lot of time with yourself, maybe thinking about your life, imagine uh, daydreaming yeah. about your life. Yeah, I have that. Yeah. I have that. I have a lot, I have full conversations with myself about yeah. what's going on. I am made uncomfortable by loud noises. Yes. No, I am a loud noise. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I am deeply moved by the arts or music. I'm going to yes. put a big yes to that. Big I fucking yes. cry like once a week listening to music, especially these days. I, my nervous system sometimes feels so frazzled that I just have to go off by myself. What a weird question. Like, what a weird way to put a question. That I just have to go off by myself. Like, go off? <laughs> or like, go be away somewhere. Um, I gotta go off by myself. Yeah, I don't know. My nervous system sometimes feels... I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I know that feeling. I do. Yeah. I am conscientious. Okay, Jeremy. Are you conscientious? Conscientious? I am conscientious. <laughs> I am conscientious. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you said it that way. Um, do you know what that means? Conscientious. Uh, I am. I. I think before I do. Is that is that conscientious? Conscience. Uh, the definitions I'm reading right now. Uh, wi- wishing to do what is right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I am conscientious. I think I am too. <laughs> I startle easy. <laughs> I'm gonna say no to that. I do. Yeah, I don't. Not I really. get rattled when I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. I do get rattled from yeah. that. That that fucks me up. Me too. When people are un, <laughs> what does he have now? Your, your My boot. boots. Your boot. Um, when people are get your toy uncomfortable in a physical environment, I tend to know what needs to be done to make it more comfortable, like changing the lighting or the seating. I think you're really good at oh, that. Oh, I'm I'm constantly like radar is on high for that. I'm yeah. always like lighting's probably bothering them. I'm going to like turn this lamp off, turn this one on. You know. And you're good with the music too. Oh, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I think you're really good at that. Yeah. I always feel uh, a sense of relief if like I'm hosting something and you're there. Yeah. It's highly annoying for me. Oh. Because well. I'm, I'm constantly like I'll sit down and be like, all right, we're watching a movie. Sit down and watch a movie and then I'll like, oh, that should turn that or stand up, go, like it's fucking. You noticing uh, uh, drives me nuts. Small things, yeah, uh, subtleties in the environment. Um, okay, um, I am annoyed when people try to get me to do too many things at once. Who the fuck's not annoyed by that? I am super annoyed by that. I'm annoyed by reading that question. <laughs> me too, actually. I try hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting things. I try hard to avoid making mistakes or forgetting. I I do try hard for that. Yeah, me too. Don't Don't is scared is, of the curtain. Don't, that's don't think the, the wind. curtain is a glo- ghost. A ghost. A ghost. It's not a ghost. I make a point to avoid violent movies and TV <laughs> shows. <laughs> I make a point to only watch violent movie and TV shows. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I mostly listen to murder podcasts, so I don't think that's me either. I become unpleasantly aroused when a lot is going on around me. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to say no to that. I don't know if I agree with that. I'm a, I'm a three, but I don't know if I should round up. I mean, I think I'm already winning. This Unpleasantly test. aroused when a lot is going on around, around me. I think just like that same. It's arousal just means like that sort of stimulation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I am overstim. I get overstimulated pretty easily. Okay. Okay. Uh, being very hungry creates a strong reaction in me, disrupting my concentration or mood. One hundred percent. Both of us. Big time, yeah. 
Changes in my life shake me up. I'm going to say no. Uh, they have since COVID for sure. But in general, changes in my life, I'm always, I, I tend to be like, all right, I'm going with this. Like, go with the flow. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm There's just gonna... been a lot of changes since like COVID started and that's, that has been fucky, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's, that, that, that's atypical. Yeah. And I think I'm a definite no to that one, even though I feel like it's a self-imposed, like I'm unshakable mm. attitude. I notice and enjoy delicate or fine scents, tastes, sounds, and works of art. Yes. Sense, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one. I find it unpleasant to have a lot going on at once. Sometimes. It depends what the things are. But I do tend to just like, overwhelm is overwhelm no matter what for me. Yeah. I need to have a lot of downtime. I don't know how to answer that one. I'm gonna not answer it. I, I I don't think I don't think I find it unpleasant. Yeah, I'm not gonna check it either. I make it a high priority to arrange my life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations. Mm, no. I, no. I am bothered by intense stimuli like loud noises or chaotic scenes. Yes. No. When I must compete or be observed while performing a task, I become so nervous or shaky, I do much worse than I would otherwise. I excel when I'm being watched, I think. I think I do too, um, for the most part, yeah. When I was a child, my parents or teachers seemed to see me as sensitive or shy. That's a big no. No. Okay, so that's all the, the questions. And now you check your total score, which I scored 11. Oh, what did you score? I scored 18. Whoa, you are an HSP, my I friend. Am. If you answered more than 14 of the questions uh, as true of yourself, you are pro- probably highly sensitive. But no psychological test is so accurate that an individual should base his or her life on it. That's true. We psychologists try to develop good questions, then decide on the cutoff based on the average response. Um, if fewer questions are true of you, but extremely true, that might also just justify calling Mm. you highly sensitive yeah also although there are as many men as women who are highly sensitive when taking the test highly sensitive men answer slightly fewer items as true than do highly sensitive women there you go interesting yeah 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 i mean there there are a lot of the things that i answered there were like like you know five out of five yeah you know so that's um, true and and again the thing to like just to remember when when it comes to any of these sorts of things, um, you know, any, any things that like deal with um, neurodivergence and, and stuff like that, like it's all on a spectrum. Like yeah. we all, we all exist. We're all on the spectrum of autism. Right. You know, I don't know if that's high, if that's insensitive to say, but like, I think we are right. Like we, we fall it, because it's a spectrum. Everybody is on it. And you know, the majority of people are, down here and then there's people that are a little bit further up the spectrum that makes them unique yeah i mean i'd like to think of a similar my way of thinking of that is like if you had to sort all the people into same or a different category everyone would be in their own category yes yeah exactly yeah this is one of the things i'm also learning in massage school is like they're 
you, you kind of want to be handed a recipe like, okay, if someone has forward head position, so a mm. lot like most people do because yeah. we sit on computers and I definitely do. Um, then this is the treatment that you would give. Mm. But then there's no such recipe because mm-hmm. nobody is just one thing without many other factors. You know, some people exercise, some people don't exercise. Some people have a healthy heart. Some people have an unhealthy heart. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's just not, it's never, it's never, it, everything is so highly um, individual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there you go, folks. Uh, maybe you identify as a HSP now that you've taken the test with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, now we can start a club of yeah. just highly sensitive people. Yeah. And <laughs> we can all stay home alone in our respective in dark, dark room. <laughs> in a dark room. Yeah. Well. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to kind of chat about uh, today was a movie. So this is a this is a just the tips, but also we're going to talk about the film a little bit. Um, and there's probably going to be some spoilers, right? Yeah. So if you which I don't actually like doing that. So hmm, <laughs> there's not really any way of doing this without spoiling it. So uh, so so definitely don't listen to this. Yeah. Mo- if you want to watch this pause. movie, and 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 not if you want to watch. I I highly suggest you do watch this movie because it is really great. Should we just? put this out as a warning and then talk about it later? Or should we just invite people? No. We'll just say there's nothing happening after we talk about this film. It's just going to be the end of the episode. Yes. So you can pause it here. Cue up this movie on Disney Plus. It's called Fresh. Yeah. And then come on back to us and we can chat about it with you later. All right. There was your warning. And here we go. Check so it out now. This, the way I stumbled across this movie actually was through a really cool podcast that I got a plug because uh, typically I don't really love talking about other people's podcasts on a podcast, mm-hmm. but I have to plug this podcast. Uh, They're called Bad Dad, Rad Dad. They're Canadian. They just started. They just hit the scene. They have like two episodes out. Only two episodes. Very, very new. New episodes release every Thursday. Okay, it's from two really sweet individuals from out uh, in Alberta, uh, a married couple, Elliot and Kylie. Okay, and the whole idea of their podcast is they do this, they do this, they do this thing together as a couple called Mystery Movie Nights. Mm-hmm. And so every like pretty much like once a like a day, uh, once a day. Like, yeah, they talked about five movies on yeah, the episode yeah, yeah. I listened yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, so, th- so they love movies. Yeah. And they do this thing where each one of them, they, they kind of swap on and off of who chooses what movie that they're going to watch, but they don't tell the other person. And okay. the other person only finds out what movie they're watching once the title card comes up, essentially. Right? Okay. And, uh, and so their podcast is they watch a movie a night and then every week they review, they do like a review of the movies that they watch that week as mm-hmm. a couple. Um, but the, the spin on the podcast that makes it interesting is that they both have really, uh, challenging backgrounds and relationships with their fathers, both of them. And so bad dad, rad dad is they watch these movies and their whole, their whole like tagline is that dad is a energy, not a gender. Okay. So, so they, they, they watch these movies, they review the movies and then at the end, they choose a character from said movies 
to either be the rad dad of the week or the bad dad of the week. And the bad dad of the week is like, you do not want this for a dad. Okay. And the rad dad of the week is like, please be our father. Like, you know, um, one of the things that they've, they've said that is how much they both have this like deep love for uh, Willem Dafoe. Okay. So like Willem Dafoe always is the rad dad. It's like, okay. Because who, who, do, who doesn't want Willem Dafoe to be their dad, you know? Even in the lighthouse? Totally, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Imagine if that guy was your dad. I mean, that guy was that your one, dad. Yeah, exactly. And your dad was a rad dad. That's right. He was a rad dad. <laughs> um, so anyway, really sweet, endearing little podcast with these very, very, um, this very cute couple. And, and I'm, I'm really excited for their, their foray into the podcast world. Um, but they watched Fresh. That was one of their first episodes. They, they reviewed Fresh. Okay. And so I was like, this sounds right up my alley. I should watch this. And boy, oh boy. It was up your alley, wasn't that it? That movie is fucking cool. I didn't know what to expect when you said there's this movie oh. on Disney Plus. I was like... Disney Plus, Disney doesn't give a shit now. Okay. Disney Plus is putting up some some hardcore stuff. Yeah. This movie's hardcore. Okay. It's hardcore, yeah. yeah. It definitely is. But the reason why I wanted to tie this conversation into today's episode is because we were talking about abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. And this movie is, uh, yeah, I guess you could definitely, like, can, this could, would fall under the category of like abusive relationship. I would say so. Uh, pretty hardcore. Yeah. Uh, it is essentially about a cu- these two people that meet. They, they very quickly start to like vibe with one another. They're going on a few dates. Things seem to be moving in like a very positive direction. And uh, they decide very like early into their dating, like, hey, let's take a trip outside of town. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm going to take you to this like really cool cottage spot. And uh, in reality, he takes her to this mansion, drugs spoiler, her. Spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, drugs her. And when she wakes up, she's chained to the wall. And uh, I mean, we can even leave it to that. Yeah, we can she's leave it She's chained to, that. to a wall and she realizes that her life is actually going to change very drastically. But the movie is so, the, the 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 thing that I loved so much about the movie is the chemistry mm-hmm. between these two fucking people. She's outstanding. She, I've never seen her before. She is so good. Her name is Daisy Edgar Rose, I believe. Holy moly, what a babe! Yeah, so cr- crushed so hard on and her. And he played Tommy Lee, right? Yes, in um, the, uh, which uh, Sebastian seen. Stan, who plays Tommy right. Lee in the and and he's also uh, what's he's also in the fucking like Marvel movies. Oh, um, okay. Classic, good-looking, good-looking fella, really fucking charming. Yeah. Um, but the movie that, that, that it's it it's very interesting the way you they really play into like the 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 nuances <laughs> of oh. of abuse in a relationship and e- like and like how like communication can kind of. It's hard to say that because, because, uh, and again, I'm going to fucking ruin the movie, but like, you know, that she is going along with this stuff to, 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 mm-hmm. to survive. Mm-hmm. But you also kind of like at points, you're like, oh, is she, is she actually just going to like, is she going for this? Like, is she, does she kind of want to be here? Mm. You know? And, um, I don't know. I, I I thought it would be a good idea to talk about this movie, and now I'm realizing it's actually it's it's a really dumb idea and going to be hard to do. Because, because you don't want to give it away. I don't want to fucking give it away. Okay. Well, well, let's just say this. So the movie sells itself as a a commentary on the perils of modern dating, 
And so you, it starts out with all the like most cringeworthy, like I'm sure taken right from some people's real lives experiences with dating. And then you know, she meets this this person and they have chemistry and it seems like things are going well. And then without going into detail, I, I, before I, you know, read anything about it, I watched it. And then I, and as soon as I was watching it, I was like, wow, this is like about, this is like a really accurate, uh, allegory of, of what it takes for, a woman or a a person who identifies as a woman to exist and survive in the world, including, interesting, including the position that it puts her in relationship to other women, because without giving anything away, there's also, as you'll see when you watch it, this whole aspect of her relationship to, other women in the story. Yeah. And, you know, like what you said about like, you know, what you've got to do to survive is, you know, a lot of time putting, you know, as a young woman growing up, the competition to be the chosen one Mm. to be, you know, to be successful you almost have to step on other women to do it. Yeah, we talked about that on the show a long time ago. Remember what was that called? It was the um, oh yeah, there was the, a name for it. Um, it was like competitive. Yeah, I don't remember. That was early like, days. Yeah, like female competitive. Like I'm gonna look it up. It was our... really and it was really uh, it was really interesting. It was like it was basically about the things that females do from like a from like a uh, a sort of um, biological evolutionary intrasexual intrasexual competition yes female intrasexual competition that's it yeah Yeah, i would say some of that is is at play yeah definitely in this film yeah i think uh, to what degree though from from daisy's character from daisy edgar rose's character yes uh towards who a towards um um how can I say this without giving it? I just fucking away? say it. Who cares? Towards, I mean, she partakes in the oh, commodity. Right. Sure, yes, yes, yes. Of other, of of sacrifices made by other women. Right. And. Right. Yeah. Well, you know. Fuck. Yeah. It just seems, I. It seems sort of easeful with which she's incorporated that yeah. into her right. her her storyline. Um, but again, doing it also doing it fully for like for, for survival. survival, but that's yeah. not unlike, yes, you know yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. And then there's that other oh, aspect oh. at one point they're like, oh, her, she lost her mind. She's lost her mind. Mm. And that becomes mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. like dismissible, disposable mm. part of this character that we never actually, we never actually see this um disposable God, what character an incredibly who's incredibly dark film it's I, very dark I re- like honestly i i can't i can't recommend it enough it, it's, it's visually stunning very beautiful that yeah. th- that scene near the climax where the, the it's just a musical sort of montage yeah and they're dancing yeah oh yeah. unbelievable yeah. such a great scene 
Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, I mean, the chemistry between the two of them was just, uh, it was worth watching just for that. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Now you have some homework to do so you can come back and re-listen to this if you're still with us and, and yeah. decipher everything that we've said. Would you say it's a feminist film? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, I had yeah, that, yeah, I there's had like, that there's like, It's definitely got some like... Um, it's definitely got some like like subtle like I spit on your grave kind of vibes. Is that a movie? Yeah, it's like an old like like exploitation horror film oh. of a of a woman who gets like pretty brutally gang raped. Oh god. But then she spent the rest of the movie is her being like I'm going to fucking oh. I'm going to fucking get revenge. Oh, and also like um it's it's very in the lineage of um like promising young woman. Promising young woman. Yeah. Yeah, which also if you haven't seen and you're capable of watching yeah, scenes yeah. of um, yeah. domestic sexual violence. Uh, it's in a, it's worth it because it's extremely gratifying what happens in both. I think, you know, anyway. Um, cool. Well, there's your uh, just the tips and uh, just a little bit of homework for next for next week. Absolutely. Um, hope you enjoyed that, folks. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday. And... Uh, uh, until then, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash turn me on, or you can uh, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or leave a review or rather a rating on Spotify. We'd appreciate all of that. And if you and want to reach out to us, let her, uh, turn me on podcast at gmail.com. You can do that. That would be great. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Uh, okay. That is it for this week, folks. Mm-hmm. Until next week. Go touch yourself. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 